Welcome to Sex Ed with DB. I'm your host, DB. Let's get into it. We talk a lot about sex ed, but when we're shopping for products to support our sexual wellness, exploration, and expression, we head to the experts at Lion's Den. For 50 plus years, Lion's Den has been a leader in adult products. Whether you wanna explore a new kink or add a little romance to your evening, Lion's Den has something for all. Each location is brightly lit and staffed with the very best experts in pleasure, passion, and romance, so you can feel comfortable and confident in your purchases. Lion's Den is offering our listeners 15% off your purchase in-store and online using code SEXEDWITHDB at lionsden.com. What if I told you that I did a masturbation experiment with the magic wand and the results were incredible? Don't believe me? Let me share a few things with the class. When using the magic wand every day, I experienced less stress, anxiety, and physical tension. I reported more frequent positive moods when using the magic wand every day, including higher levels of confidence. My level of horniness increased over time when using the magic wand every day. Want to see how else the magic wand impacted me positively? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magic wand experiment to learn more. Let's talk about lube and condoms. Something important to know is that oil-based lube is not to be used with condoms because the oil can cause the condom to break or tear, which would defeat the purpose of using it. Thank goodness for Uber Lube. Uber Lube is latex compatible, so it's safe and effective to use with condoms. But wait, there's more. Dispensing two drops of Uber Lube inside a condom and a measured pump outside will increase pleasure. What are you waiting for? Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. I'm sure you've heard the phrase bottoming before, but do you really know what it entails, pun intended? When it comes to anal sex, there's typically a top and a bottom, and any combination of the two. The top is defined as the insertive partner, and the bottom is defined as the receptive partner. If you're interested in anal play or bottoming, the three major muscles in our butt need to be relaxed for complete and successful entry. After you've started to experiment with the tip of a finger or a butt plug with lots and lots of lube, you may want to slowly graduate to a pre-bottoming anal training routine to ensure the best experience. Enter the glass anal dilator set with three gradual dilators, small, medium, and large plugs from Future Method. And an important fun fact, an anal surgeon designed these glass dilators so you know that he's got your back and your bottom. To learn more about bottoming and the glass dilator set, go to futuremethod.com and use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at checkout. What is up, Sex Ed with DB fam? I am absolutely gobsmacked, thrilled, privileged, honored to have another episode today of the podcast. And today we're chatting with Dr. Lex Brown James, an amazing therapist, sexologist, sex educator. Um, she's so wonderful. And we had so, so many amazing well, I did. I had so many amazing revelations during this episode, all about long-term relationships and healthy conflict and intimacy and how to be a sex positive parent. Uh, We just had a wonderful conversation and it was so, so great chatting with Dr. Lex. I hope that you enjoy. 
And just a reminder to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Email us a screenshot and you could win a prize at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. And just a quick shout out to our sponsors. Uh, check out sexedwithdb.com slash discounts if you want 15% off lots of really great products over there. Uh, highly recommend going to check it out. Uh, let's get this show on the road, shall we? Here I am with Dr. Lex. Good afternoon, Dr. Lex. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm great. How are you? I'm really, really good. We are thriving. We're getting by. I did a Peloton ride this morning, so I'm feeling a little energized, which is okay. good. All right. Um. So yeah, we're doing good. I am really honored to have you on the podcast. We were talking about this offline, but I have been following you and been just so impressed by you and uh, have thought you were very cool from afar for quite a long time. So I'm excited to get to chat with you today. You have no idea. I've been a nerd my entire life before it was cool. So the fact that people think I'm cool now is just beyond me. (laughs) Yeah, but embrace it. That's you. That's who you are. Uh, So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, You have many, many talents. You're a therapist. You're a sexologist. You're a sex educator. You wear many hats. Uh, So why don't you go ahead and, and tell the people who you are? Absolutely. So all up under this head wrap, I am Dr. Lex Brown James. So I have a lot of letters behind my name. I'm a PhD, LMFT, CSE, CSES, which basically says I talk about sex and sexuality from womb to tomb. I have the pleasure of being able to connect the worlds of education and therapy. So I've been a therapist for over, like almost 15 years at this point, wow. which is so odd to say out, out loud. <laughs> and I'm also an educator, so I have a PhD in education and specifically around sexuality. So I really help people learn and lean into shame-free sex ed from womb to tomb at age-appropriate and accessible forms of information. You, how do you do it all, I think is my follow-up. I mean, is it like when you were younger, were you like, I want to have a million degrees and I want to do these things? (laughs) Like, how did you know, what was your path to getting here? Oh my gosh, I wish. So I've always wanted to help people. I used to want to be an OB and deliver babies. And then I realized I didn't have enough of the skill set to distance myself away from like if somebody lost a pregnancy or lost Mm. a child. I was like, that would wreck me. I would never go back to work. Uh, And I wanted to do gender affirmation surgeries. I found out about Doctors Beyond Borders. And I wanted to be the doctor that went around the world and helped people be all in themselves and give them body euphoria Mm. and then i realized um i'd have to go into plastics oh interesting and i was like plastics at least in the united states of america where i live basically tell fat black femmes that were ugly and i couldn't i couldn't buy into that i couldn't buy into that system i'm the type of person i'm like what's wrong with your nose can you breathe you can breathe. I don't see any reason Does to change function? your nose. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So I was like, huh, that's healing from the inside out. So after completing all of my pre-med recs at college, after getting a bachelor's degree in physics, a minor in math, oh. I decided I was going to be a therapist <laughs> specifically <Wow>. for sex. <laughs> Whoa. So big 180. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Fun sciences. I spent a lot of time in labs that I didn't to spend, apparently. <laughs> that sounds really... Did you find it challenging or did you really enjoy the science and the math? What was your kind of like disposition towards it? Oh, so physics is the easiest thing for me. And I kind of actually see therapy like that now. You have this big, long, complex problem with all of these pieces. And then you have to go find the pieces to fit in to make it a lot simpler. And so I think people are the same way. People want to come with these big, huge, complex problems. And you take it piece by piece and you solve it down. And it becomes really basic. Hmm. So I do see a mirror in them. But, yep, I did like the sciences. I, at least physics. Bio sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> Sounds very... I mean, all I've heard is that OCHEM is kind of like the worst thing in the world. That's all I know. I, I was not a science gal in college, so... <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> Couldn't be me. Uh, but okay, so we're really lucky. Again, I'm, I may say again, lucky to have you here today because we're going to do a lot of talking about maintaining relationships in this episode. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you why I really want to talk about that. I feel like rom-coms always cover the meet cute, right, of the couple and maybe some of their story, but they really don't show the challenges, the deep conversations, laughs, intimacy, awkwardness, and all of the work that is required to keep a relationship healthy and spicy. And even like anecdotally, when we're dating someone new, our, that's all our friends want to hear about, right? Like, how is the date? What's up? What do you like? What do you not like? Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of have committed to somebody, if we're talking specifically about monogamous relationships, there's not really more check-ins about that. It's kind of just like yeah. assuming that everything is fine or we don't really talk about our, our maintenance that much unless there's a huge problem where someone's like, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to break up and then people want to know about it, right? They, they're there for the drama. And you're known as the couple's clinician, which I really love mm -hmm. that branding, by the way. Very smart, very cool. But- I would love to get into a few things with you about this. So first, I want to talk about maybe the most common things in your experience that couples have challenges about, and if there's any advice that you have for couples to kind of work on these things or to communicate better with one another. We'll start there. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So exactly what you said, right? It's this, we meet let's learn about each other. If you're my friend's group, we actually have a setup with our friends where we actually do a quiz with the new person to see if they're actually compatible. And, and if they don't subject to it, it's an instant no uh, <laughs> from the friend group. Right. But all, all couples, 98% of them that come to me in my practice over the years come for communication and we're podcasting. So you can't see I'm using quotation marks. Because everybody's like, we can't communicate well. And when I get into it, I'm like, you heard what they said. You just didn't like it. Ooh, okay. That's not a communication issue. You didn't like what they said. Mm. You understood it. You understood where they were coming from. You understand why they're frustrated. That's not a communication issue. When I usually boil down, and this is my advice, get past the communication. It's typically a vulnerability issue. I don't feel safe enough to tell you my honest, honest truth, mm. right? 
I can't be vulnerable with you to let you know that when you're coming home late, I'm actually scared that you've abandoned me. I don't say that. So I say, oh, well, you must not care because you ain't even sent a text message. Like someone's phone died. Huh? Exactly. Right. So we use a snarky sarcasm. We get that. Oh, you can't sleep next to me. You you for the streets. Go be in the streets. Right. So (laughs) we do that. We do that passive aggression because there's a difference between truth and honesty. And so people have a really hard time being honest because it requires a level of vulnerability that isn't always safe, isn't always accessible. Hmm. So how do we feel more comfortable being vulnerable is it like a whole thing because like you need trust you need time you need honesty is it like a puzzle like a jigsaw puzzle what are we what are we working with here well I think some people have stronger foundations than others right given history and trauma and survivorhood and past relationships I'm also one of the people that holds that relationships don't have to be hard loverships don't have to be hard I, I don't and so I will say this as a person who's been with my lover for Ooh, it's not my job to keep track. So I'm going to say like almost 10 <laughs> years we've been together. He keeps track wow. of like how long we've been together and like our wedding dates. He's got and the all dates. That type of stuff. Yeah. Don't care. Um, <laughs> but we've argued once and it was over a vacuum. One time in 10 years? One time. And it was over a vacuum. Okay. And it was because you- I wasn't wearing headphones while we were vacuuming. And I was so confused. I was like, I've been alive for 30 plus years. Why would I need headphones while I'm vacuuming? I've never worn headphones for my vacuuming and I can hear better than you. And he was so frustrated. He put his hands on his hips and took a deep breath. And I'm like, so you're frustrated, but I don't understand. And so he had to walk away and come back because he was like, you just need to put the headphones on. Like, I don't get it. While you were vacuuming? While I was vacuuming. Very so strange. End, he wanted to protect my hearing because apparently this vacuum maybe, okay, that's what I, goes at okay, a higher decibel. Okay. So maybe Who knew that plugs? Like yeah, what yeah, like what's going they on? They were here? um noise canceling headphones. Oh noise canceling. Okay, so he yeah, really was like concerned the, for you. Yes. Yes. And it was very sweet. And I'm like, well, without the full context of the picture, it doesn't make sense for me to wear headphones using a vacuum. And he's like I get that now. And so that was our That's that the was our only disagreement. time? <laughs> That's the only time. That is the that, only time. Now, don't worry. We've wild. had hard conversations. Yes. We've definitely I was going to say, because like, you differentiate. Right. Right. I didn't like that this happened. And so when I say, like, this really frustrated me or this bothered me or I felt really uncared for, he's like, I'm so sorry. You're absolutely right. I can shift that. Or if he's like, babe, I need this to be different. I'm like... I dropped the ball. My bad. Let's figure out how it can be different because I need help to make this different. Right. And that's kind of how we function because it's never a war between us. Like mm. This is your person. You have built trust with this person. I tell all lovers when you first meet snorkel, you're going to go right below the surface. Right? Oh, oh, I you see. Go I see. Right below the surface to get to know that person. You don't want to deep dive. We're not scuba diving on the first three dates. Okay. People are like, give mm. me a social security number. Have you ever had services? Like, who is your mama? Like, we're not doing right. that. I need to know if you're, I can trust you. So if I light up about cosplaying at Blurred Con and you roll your eyes and you're dismissive, you're probably not the person for me. Mm. Right? Because I just let you know a little bit about me that really excites me. 
And it also didn't excite you. My excitement didn't excite you. You weren't excited about the same thing. So now I'm like, will you support when I have to spend hours on my costume or will you be frustrated with me? Very specific well, example. Is that is that personal? Is it a personal example? Oh, no. We cosplay. I have a whole, like, there's a decade worth of plans to cosplay as an entire family. Oh, my God. That's so cute. <laughs> I can't wait. I I'm wait. really into this. I'm really into that. I um, might get them in tights this year. I might. <laughs> fantastic. Truly fantastic. Um, all right. So, clearly, you have a very healthy relationship. One that we all strive for i think i'll speak for myself uh i'm wondering if you could talk about for other folks who come and see you and who are you know maybe really happy together but do get into it you know have hard conversations do have disagreements maybe there are some arguments mm-hmm. what what are folks kind of like you know what are some like com- like you said they're not maybe at war with each other but like what are some things tangentially that come up for couples that they have a hard time with sometimes oh my gosh it's everything right so it's we're not spending enough time together our sex isn't great or we're not having enough sex um typically it's hobbies so sometimes one person's feeling neglected because somebody's out doing whatever playing video games out with their friends not taking care of home enough parenting and how people parent becomes Mm -hmm. very very big they're like well you let them do this or you're gonna raise them this way and we can't agree and then there's also just power dynamics in a relationship one person feels like another person should be more submissive another person's feeling oppressed in a relationship so we come to a lot of different ways and it's how they communicate so in one communication one person gets really defensive and i know that's a big trigger word nowadays everybody's like you're just being defensive it's like i just said a sentence and defensiveness always escalates conflict. As mm. soon as somebody says, I'm feeling attacked or they perceive being attacked, that defensiveness is going to make that conflict more intense every single time. So we have a lot of that floating around. And then couples are like, should we be together? And they start to doubt their choice in choosing a lover. Hmm. And I feel like it is really tough, right, to know – okay, let me give some context. I feel like I'm at a place right now where I'm 30 years old, right? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends who have been in long-term relationships, there are some marriages that are happening. I've personally been with my partner for seven years. We recently got engaged. We're we're getting married next year. Um, So there's like that kind of path. And Mm -hmm. then there are some of my friends who are just starting to break up with their long-term partners Mm -hmm. who like had these plans and who, you know, were really looking forward to that. And that was their person. And it's just like, it feels very intense Mm -hmm. when there is this clear line for some people of like, you know, you, you did this or I feel this way and therefore we're not a right fit anymore. But how do you navigate Or like, how do you recommend couples navigate that gray area where maybe they're like, how do we know if we want to keep investing in each other or not? We don't really talk about this gray area either, I feel. No. And so that's oftentimes when I see people in my office, 
right? They've tried it on their own for a while. Um, they might've went to church and, and got the counseling or whatever religious thing they're into. And then they're realizing like, it's not exactly working. Maybe we need a professional. And so what I usually have lovers do is I have them table breaking up and they decide on the time frame: three months, six months, two months, whatever it is. Two months is not really enough time to do a lot of work, but three to six months is what I say. I say everybody is dedicated to this relationship for the next three to six months. Breaking up is not an option. One, to alleviate fear that one person is going to be left. And so sometimes people do really strange things out of fear. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and do everything I can to keep you. I'm going to try everything I can to prove, to have you prove that you care for me. And so that can be a really dangerous area to be in because people can start to feel desperate. So I'm going to alleviate mm-hmm. that. I want to get that off the table. The other thing is, what would it be like broken up? What would your life be like? Would you miss this other person? Would it, a huge gap be unfulfilled? what would that be like? And so we practice some gratitude. We learn how to communicate. We get all of the secrets out of the way because sometimes people are keeping secrets. We talk about what's been lost. So sometimes people are like, ah, we had to spend all of our time together during COVID and I saw your shitty draws and that was a turnoff and I just can't get that out of my mind. Right. So no, I don't want to have sex with you and you want to break up with me because I don't want to have sex with you, but I am so turned off. And so those are things that we have to parse out typically in therapy. And it helps when you have a third party because now right. the other person isn't an enemy, but I get to treat you as a team because my job is your totally. relationship. I got to take care of the relationship between you two and you all have been actively harming it. So how do I help you heal it instead? Yeah, it's so interesting because, I mean, I'm sure you have all the data and all the information on this as a couples therapist, but I feel like for me as like, a person whose parents got divorced at a very young age, like obviously what was modeled or not modeled for us does inherently in some capacity impact the way in which that we see our relationships. And I like, how do people like break that cycle if they were kind of not given the proper models for what a healthy relationship looks like? Oh my gosh. That's one of my favorite questions and assessments. I say, who are your favorite relationship role models? Mm. And it is scary. When I tell you, it is scary how many of people are like, I didn't have any. I look to um, the Cosby show or Family Matters or some other sitcom of a TV family and their relationship. And I'm like, wow. that I mean, it's sad. There's no one they could look to and they're really trying to figure it out for themselves. And even with your parents, right? So you, they divorced very, very early. And sometimes mm-hmm. divorce is the answer for folks and for mm-hmm. families. And you saw a model of what you didn't want. Right. You're like, oh, mm, I don't know if I want this for myself. And so you figured out that piece of it, which is great because you're not starting from scratch. It's not something right. completely That's true. unknown. Yeah. And I'm sure, I don't know if other folks feel this as well, other kids of divorced parents, but I kind of, when I was a kid, made a promise to myself of like, Mm. I'm not gonna 
marry someone unless I've been with them. I chose an arbitrary, not that arbitrary, but kind of like five years. Like (laughs) I want to be with someone for at least five years before I commit to them, like blah, blah, blah. And no surprise, my partner and I have been together for seven years. We're getting married like very close to our eight year anniversary. And I wonder if I just like had that in the back of my Mm. head or, you know, like, because we, I don't know. I think like marriage is something really interesting that I think like my generation of peers are thinking about more than ever and we're getting married later than our parents did. But with the stats of like 50% of marriages end in divorce, it's really fascinating to me that we're as a society, like kind of putting that stat aside and choosing Mm -hmm. still to go for it and to be in that non no one usually I think gets married with the aim of getting divorced. I mean, maybe I, maybe some, but most people don't. And so what do you think about that, about like this kind of big, scary stat out there and how we kind of still are romantics? Like, why are we still doing this, basically? Well, I think we love love, right? I mean, and that's why I do my work. I love love. I love to be able to see that two people at 100% on their best days can come together and make something beautiful. And everybody wants to be wanted. That's mm. another thing. Every, like nobody's walking around like, I don't want anybody to want me. Like, no, everybody wants to be wanted. The 50% stat I'm actually really happy about because at least in my communities, they're like, oh, you know, people don't get married and stay married like your grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, well, grandma couldn't buy a house by herself. Right. Like, grandma Correct. couldn't have a credit card. Right? right. Songs like Papa was a Rolling Stone because grandma couldn't leave. That's why. Right. She was there with eight kids. Dude, couldn't like real, my, the my grandma literally had eight kids. Like my dad is one of eight. Right. So the options for folks back then were vastly different than they are now. And so if 50% of marriages are ending, that means 50% of people are finding out that they don't want to be in this relationship for the rest of their lives. They don't have to sacrifice themselves for the rest of their lives. Right. So I'm hoping those people can get to some type of happiness. And I love the fact that we're still taking leaps of faith, leaps Mm. of faith that we can be together, that we can make this work. But I tell people every day, you're supposed to feel chosen by your lover every single day. And you're supposed to choose your lover every day. How are you doing that? What does that look like today? When you're traveling, you don't have access to your amazing sex goodies stash. So you start to pack your lube for sexy time in your toiletry bag. And when you open your bag back up, the lube you packed, of course, spills all over your toothbrush, makeup, and floss picks. Enter a brand new product from Uber Lube that will get your lube to your destination without spillage. They're new good to go travelers. Perfect for your purse, pocket, gym bag, or carry on luggage. The Good To Go Traveler features the same Uberlube product in a discreet aluminum traveler that comes in six colors. Try Uberlube and their Good To Go Traveler now with code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at uberlube.com. Ever since getting engaged to my wonderful fiance, I've been thinking about ways to keep things fun and novel between us, but I, of course, want it to feel organic. I want to be able to feel sexy and comfortable in my body while trying something new. Thanks to Lion's Den, a new adventure I've been exploring is the world of lingerie. 
I never really was a big lingerie girl myself, but once I started trying on lingerie that accentuated my curves, felt super soft to the touch, and made me look in the mirror and felt wildly confident in my skin, that changed pretty quickly. Plus, when I searched for what I might like on Lion's Den's website, I saw models that actually looked like me. They were curvy and thick and voluptuous, and it made all the difference to see models that have my body type. Want to join me in my new lingerie chapter? Right now, you can use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off your purchase in-store and online at lionsden.com. Follow them on social media at Lion's Den Adult on IG and TikTok for exclusive offers, deals, and giveaways. Let's talk about vacation sex. If you're like me, I bet you want a little pleasure while you're away, but can't fit your entire sex toy collection in your carry-on, huh? Say hello to the Magic Wand Mini. Born into such a famous family, this little wand has quite a reputation to uphold. Challenge accepted. Offering big power, multiple speeds, and unsurpassed quality, the full-featured Magic Wand Mini is more than simply a smaller sibling. It's here to create a legacy all its own. Want to win a Magic Wand Mini for your next trip or staycation? Go to sexedwithdb.com slash magicwand to learn more. When it comes to anal sex, what comes to mind? If you're a beginner like so many of us out there, maybe you feel scared, unsure, or just plain uneducated. Future Method can help with that. Founded by a doctor and anal sex expert, Future Method develops science-backed products and non-judgmental doctor-led education to maximize pleasure, eliminate injury, and empower the way people choose to play in the bedroom. They even have a blog started by the gay community and now for everyone that puts education at the forefront on topics both popular and taboo. Use code SEXEDWITHDB for 15% off at futuremethod.com. Speaking of you saying everyone wants to be wanted, let's transition to how you work with couples to keep things intimate and fun because mm. in, in the bedroom specifically, right? Because I feel like when I get questions from listeners around like, you know, how do I like strengthen my relationship? How do I keep things spicy in the bedroom? Like, how do I keep my partner excited or how do I keep myself excited? And yeah. I feel like for those of us who do have a healthy sexual appetite, we desire sex with ourselves and with our partner. When that part is good, the rest can fall into place mm. and vice versa. Like when you're feeling good and connected out of the bedroom, then usually intimacy in the bedroom feels that much better. So mm -hmm. I'm wondering like what are some kind of common tools and practices that you chat with couples about in this arena? Oh, I love this. So something, and it typically lives on my Instagram. Uh, it's called Naked Homework. So I have Ooh. all of my lovers do some version of naked homework assignments. Uh, it involves being naked and it's homework. So you have to do it at home. Nobody ever gets naked in front of me. Uh, but one of my favorite, favorite, favorite naked homeworks is to have people front, back, however, top or bottoms, you have to be naked in whatever that vicinity is. You will do the whole body eventually but it is a gratitude body scan. So your lover and you will take turns saying different parts of the body that you're grateful for. So it could be like, I'm so grateful for your eyes because they tell me exactly how much you love me every time I look at you. And then they have to show that body part some physical affection. Hmm. 
whatever it is, it's physical affection because so often we're only touching for sex, mm. right? We, we forget that you can just touch for closeness. You can touch just to release good endorphins. You can hug just because it feels comfortable and just because it's pleasure. So removing the intercourse pressure from pleasure and what that looks like alleviates so much because people aren't always down for sex or I will say penetrative intercourse, right? Because sex can be anything. Like, when's the last time you just made out on the couch? Because it was a commercial break, right? You had some ads during your Hulu, and you're like, let's just make out. Let's hope the kids don't catch us, right? Like, <laughs> fun times. Maybe your body is in a postpartum body. So hmm. you can't really, you're not really feeling like stuff is leaking everywhere. You just birthed something, right? You're in a diaper. But that doesn't mean you can't get sensual kisses on your back. And that just feel really nice. So I think that we have to take out the pressure that comes with physical touch. And then mm. typically, right, giving people permission to be like, oh, masturbate. Enjoy that. There's been this yeah. idea that because you're in a couplehood or a lovership that you can't masturbate and self-please anymore. That's like this weird betrayal is how it's perspective. Like, no, go handle your stuff. I'm going to bed. Like, <laughs> maybe fun. I don't want you to masturbate right next to me because I'm asleep. Right. Maybe it's so loud. Like, right. Right. Don't let stuff land on me. Right. Do what you need right. to do. Here's a totally. thing. I don't know. Go do what you yeah. want. So right. permission that you're still a sexual being outside of your lover. And when you don't want to necessarily have that intercourse and interaction, there are other ways that you still build intimacy with physicality. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I really like the sensual back kisses. That sounds really nice. I'm going to go tell my partner that that sounds great after this call. Uh, why do you think that generally speaking, when it comes to relationship stuff, why do we not really talk about like the everydayness with our like friends and family? Like back to that thing where like, if it's the beginning, people want to hear about it. If it's the end, people want to hear about it. But like everything in between, at least I find generally in a seven-year partnership, it is mm -hmm. not as common for me to get questions from friends or family that's like, how are you and David like making each other happy? Like how mm -hmm. are you two making each other laugh like ones you know like things things that are all about the maintenance and about the everydayness but we don't really it's not normalized to talk about yeah i think that's such an important question because we do see the beginning and we do see or we see the problems right you only talk to your friend group your mom whatever whatever when there's a problem and then we see the breakup so we don't see the oh my gosh you know my lover brought home chicken egg rolls from my favorite place today. That was so nice. We don't we don't have that gratitude as shown as much in public spheres. And I think part of it is because we tend to build a bubble of protection around our relationships. And that's what we've been taught, right? Mind your business. Mm. Your every day, as long as things aren't going wrong, isn't my business. Right. Right. So there is that level of protection. But I think in that level of protection and that bubble of protection, we lose that the monotony of relationships can still be content and happy. There's yeah. not a bunch of rah-rah. It's not a bunch of um, sadness. It's not even isolation or abuse. It's just like, look, we're existing as simple humans outside of this honeymoon phase. And we're still okay. We're still good. Mm-hmm. 
And we don't get to see a lot of that because of that protection bubble. Right. And I feel like, like what you said, this honeymoon phase, right? At least when I've been to therapy in the past and like books that I've read about the fact that there are or there can be kind of these seasons, right? Mm -hmm. Of like things are going really well, we're really connected. And then maybe there is like a mental health thing going on for somebody and that impacts something. Or maybe Mm -hmm. there's work stress and that impacts something. Or maybe you didn't get to work out as much as you wanted to and that impacts something. You know, there's like, Mm -hmm. there are always kind of like little things that can kind of like lead to little tiffs for a couple of weeks at a time. And then maybe you're, you're, you know, it really is a roller coaster ride. And I've only learned that by being in a healthy long-term relationship just to see like how many moments and chapters there are with somebody else. And do you feel like when you chat with couples, is, is there kind of this questioning around that? roller coaster or like if if people do kind of get in hard conversations do they maybe feel like oh we sh- we shouldn't be getting in these it should be easier or, or what what kind of what do you say around that yeah so that's actually really important um john gottman and julie gottman yes. came up with this whole gottman method right they say about 69% of conflict is not resolvable so majority wow. of the conflict you have actually isn't resolvable you're both gonna have your own opinions right you're both gonna have and you might not meet and that's when you're like oh we'll just agree to disagree um but there's another model that says when you look at conflict you have to look at it as an opportunity for closeness versus a threat right so if you're fighting and it feels like a threat to the relationship or a threat to your personhood you're going to end up in a negative space versus when you have conflict use it as an opportunity to learn more. Like, I don't see this that way. How did you get here? Tell me more. Like, what's your thought process? And not in a condescending, you're wrong type of way. But a really genuine, yes, curiosity. And so what I see more so from the lovers that I do see is the, oh my gosh, we're arguing again and I never want to argue. And here's the thing. You can argue to your blue in the face. That's absolutely fine. It's how you argue. Hmm. right because i told you you're not going to war in your relationship you're not going to war against this person so when you're arguing are you fighting below the belt are you calling them out their name are you picking apart the intrinsic person they are Hmm. is that what you're criticizing because that's below the belt that's dangerous are you acting morally superior to them that's fighting below the belt That will end your relationship. That will cause devastation and harm. But a disagreement won't. It's really how you fight. Yeah. That you're hitting on like the crux of this for me, which is we're really not, first of all, in sex ed in school, as as you very well know, because you're a sex educator, we're not taught jack shit about any of this stuff, (laughs) let alone like a healthy relationship, right? Because we Mm -hmm. maybe will learn about consent in a very basic form if we're lucky but beyond that right there's all Mm -hmm. these pieces to it of like how do we argue healthily how do we disagree healthily how do we talk about really really hard shit that's going to come up and do it in a way that feels respectful and if we're Mm -hmm. not able to in that moment like what tool do we need to use to come back to this later like we're kind of exactly we're not really taught about any of that and so 
And again, like, it's not like our parents, or at least mine for sure, didn't teach me like, here's what hap- what might happen when you're dating someone and here and it's okay if X, Y, and Z, you know, like no one taught yeah, me that. No. no. So it's just this like really big mystery I find. And, you know, I have some some friends who date people for a couple of months and they're like, oh, this feels really hard or we're disagreeing about this thing. Like, I think we should just call it. And often Mm -hmm. my response, even though I'm not a trained therapist, but just, you know, being someone who kind of has experience in a long-term relationship with chapters and with seasons and whatever, I'm like, keep going. Like, keep, you know, keep trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, you know, is there enough there where both of you are happy and like feeling fulfilled? Like this one little thing shouldn't break it, you know? Right. Right. And that's the, I think that's the piece of it. People often do a lot of self-sacrificing to be the good partner. Mm. And so, yeah, you guys got into this tiff, right? Can we resolve it? And I will even say after people see me, you're still going to get into arguments and tiffs. It's how you reconnect afterward that's going to be most important. So my goal is instead of it taking a week for you all to come back together and feel close again, can we get it to three days? Hmm. Can we get it to two days? Right? Are we going after each other's jugular or are we saying, I need some space? And that's my goal is to get them to say, I need some space to be able to identify within themselves. Because you have to remember, a lot of people don't have the permission to feel all their feels. They've been sacrificing themselves. They build resentment. Then they take it out on their partner. And what we do see and what you'll start to see, right? So you're just entering the 30s. So now everybody's getting married. People start having kids and then people right. also start breaking up, right? So that's how, oh, and also people start getting sick. So that's what's mm-hmm. happening around like this age range. And then, and I would say like the 35 to 40 age range, there's more divorce. There's yeah. people that waited longer to have babies. Right. <laughs> people are also getting sick and their parents are getting sick. Mm-hmm. And then people who break up are realizing that they sacrificed all of themselves for their family. Hmm. Right. They're like, I don't know who I am outside of Mark's girlfriend. I don't know who I am outside of Susan's mom. Right. I've been their parent for so long. I've been their partner for so long. I never got to do any of the things I wanted. Right. And people disappear into these roles, right? We talk about gender roles and sex ed all the time. They disappear into these roles and doesn't matter your gender, whatever role you think you're supposed to be fulfilling. And if you think you're supposed to fulfill them all, because we were never taught what was good for us and we never were taught to claim what was good for us. So now they're like, I don't even know what I like anymore. I I used to like roller skating. I haven't been on skates in years. I don't know. And they lose themselves. And how do you partner and show up with someone when you've lost yourself? What does that look like? That's a big question. It, I like, yeah, I'm I'm sure that people come to these conclusions at different points. And maybe that's also part of why they do want to end it in their partnership because they're maybe realizing like I deserve to be myself and I'm not able to do that. Yeah. Which is really yeah. tricky. Exactly. And then also who is your partner loving? Are they just loving a reflection of themselves, which, you know, 
gives way to maybe some narcissism. But like, <laughs> if you're not showing up in your true authentic self, how do they get to love you? You're breaking my brain in a good way here. <laughs> in a very good way. So shifting gears a little bit, because we haven't super talked about the sex ed part of your career yet. Yeah. And I have a couple of questions there uh, before before we let you go. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about being a sex positive parent, because mm. I know there are some people who listen to this show who are parents and who maybe have intentions to make their child or children feel whole in their gender identity or their body or their relationships. And parents are also very busy and may not have the tools or the resources or ha know how to have the conversation. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how parents can be continuous advocates for their kids when it comes to their sexual health. Absolutely. So great questions. Um, I think we've been actually getting at the sexuality piece of my job, right? Because relationships and intimacy are all part of sexuality. Right. And as parents, we're modeling for our children all the time, even when we don't mean to, right? So not only remodeling the relationships that we're in romantically or non-romantically, we're modeling how we feel in our bodies, right? So if you're saying, um, that's something a parent used to say, one of my parents used to say, oh, I feel like two-ton Tilly today right? About her size. And that's what she mm. would say about herself. And it was negative. So I was like, huh, okay. So fatness is not valued. And I learned that, I learned the language later, but I learned the value early on. Mm. So we're all modeling sex positivity and sex positivity, people always get wrong. They think we just tell people to go out and have as much sex as freaky as possible, as right. much as possible, which is not what it means. Right. Sex positivity is really placing your values and what's important for you as a parent and how you're disseminating it to your child so they can ra be raised with education to navigate situations and to be able to be their true authentic selves safely. That's what we want. We want our kids to be safe. So sex positive parenting, we got to start where we are. Maybe you didn't teach your kids the correct anatomical names. Okay, so that's where you start. Maybe uh, there's some sexual shame that you have that you've passed on to your child. And so you got to do some of that self-work first, right? If you were shamed for being sexually promiscuous, you know where that comes from now because you've listened to this podcast, you have more information, you've read some stuff. But being a sex positive parent just means that you're creating a safer space for your children to come to and seek out knowledge. And ideally, you're the first stop. And if you cannot be the first stop because you have your own trauma, you might be in your own survivorhood, you just might not know, you know, and they know where they can go to get that information that is still aligned with your values. Yeah, I feel like this idea of parents not really unpacking their own Trauma is a really big one because therapy like wasn't really popular when parents were kids, depending on mm -hmm. how when my parents were kids, for sure. Like parents yeah. who are in their like 50s, 60s, 70s, I don't think it's as common and I think it's really mm -hmm. challenging. Uh, but I'm hoping that with the Internet and with 
so many podcasts and tools and resources. Yeah. There, there are so many people out there, like you said, who can who can help. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the hashtag shame free sex ed. Uh, what does that mean to you? And where do you hope to see sex ed in the future? Oh my gosh! So big questions. Let's let's go for it. So shame free sex ed means I am able to access information without feeling bad about myself and unlovable, right? Because a lot of us grew up with questions and we'd ask that question. It's like, why are you asking that? What happened? You're dirty. You're bad. You're a slut. You're a whore. Or you're going to grow up to be a whore. It's like, um, this is just how my body is growing. I just had a question. Right, right, right. Pretty innocent. Right. And we, instead we went to like, go find it somewhere else. And those somewhere else places weren't always safe. Many of us, many of us had a chat room love affair with somebody on yes. the other end of an internet. Absolutely. <laughs> Dial up that. On AIM. Yes. AIM, MTV chat rooms. Oh um, boy. Right. And so our kids are doing the same, but our kids are much more accessible via the web than we were. Right. With video streaming and sexting and pictures and location and dropping pins. People can access our kids much easier than they might have been able to access us. So shame-free sex ed just means that I'm going to teach you and not shame you. I'm going to give you the information. Uh, My friend Brittany Broder-Smith plazes it as, are you going to be a vault or are you going to be a food pantry? Hmm. Right? Are you locking information away until they get the right code or the right age or whatever? Or can you be a food pantry open to everybody? They can come in, they can take what they need and leave the rest. Mm, I like to try and be a food pantry. Yeah. Right. And And then, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it can be hard and it could take a few tries Mm -hmm. and that's okay. As long as you tell your kid or whoever you're trying to get that information to like, Hey, I might've messed up there. I'm going to try again. And, uh, let's see if I can get it right the second time around. Cause kids right. appreciate and young people and people of all ages really appreciate honesty, <laughs> everybody. And yeah. And just appreciate acknowledgement of, you know, you're trying your best. And if you could really like be kind and not judgmental and just try your best, I think that's what all people really want. Absolutely. And also you can normalize saying, I don't know. Now I grew up in the perfectionistic area, right? We had to be perfect as we were never going to get to college. We were just going to (laughs) die. But that being said, and with growing up as a series of perfectionists, right? I don't know wasn't something we were allowed to say. And so I don't, I don't actually know the answer to that. Let me go research it and figure it out so I can know how to tell you. Or I don't know how to tell you in a way that you're going to understand. So let me talk to like, you know, TT Lex and and see how I can tell you in a way that you'll understand or tell me what you know, and maybe I can fill in the gaps and you're not in trouble for knowing, Hmm. right? Because sometimes we parent from fear, specifically around sexuality. And when we parent from fear, oftentimes that leads to consequences and punitive punishments, even when we don't intend it to. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. And how much better of a world would it be if all people just had access to information and education that made them feel good instead Mm -hmm. of bad about their bodies and their lives and their relationships and their health and their identities and everything that came with it. 
And then your other question was the future of the field. Yes. So in full disclosure, uh, I am a board member for one of the oldest credentialing sexuality education organizations. Uh, It has a long title. So it's the American Association for Sexuality Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. I got it. ASECT. Uh, ASECT for short. (laughs) So um, I will be the, I'm the incoming president. So I'm going to be the first black woman president of the organization. Holy shit. Congratulations. Thank you. 50 years. Oh my God. You're breaking bounds here. Wow. Look. Uh, (laughs) And so my dream for the field is... Access for all of those educators that want to be there, um, that don't hold a college degree, that that maybe got their education elsewhere somehow, is really to open up the gates because I didn't see people that did this work that look like me mm. in my field um, back, you know, 15 years ago when I entered. So I want I want to be able to be like, hey, we welcome any and all doing the good work. And giving them a strong foundational basis to ensure that that good work continues. Because at the end of the day, we really do help people. And that is the highlight of my job. Getting the baby announcements or the engagement invites that I can't go to, y'all. It's conflict of interest. I can't go. <laughs> uh, I got went to, like, Jamaica. It's like, that was pretty I want to cool. go. Yeah. <laughs> love this couple. I'd love to go to your wedding. Aww. I can't go, y'all. Um, right so we get that information or I get the parent that says because of this video I was able to talk to my kid and I'm like I'm so proud of you right that's one less kid that doesn't have somebody to talk to so I would Mm -hmm. love for people to put me at a job if I had never had to do therapy again because everybody was fine I would love it (laughs) so that's that's your that's your mission put me out of work please (laughs) You heard it here first. Dr. Lex is wanting to go out of work because no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be really special, but you're so cool and fun and it's been so great talking to you. And, uh, why don't you go ahead and share where, uh, listeners can find you and learn more about your work and get access to your content. Absolutely. So again, fangirl moment. I love being here, but I am Dr. Lex. So Lex, L-E-X-X-D-O-C. Um, so I'm Lex Sex Doc, L-E-X-X-S-E-X-D-O-C on all platforms. Um, and I'm LexSexDoc.com. So you can subscribe to my newsletter. I don't send them out super frequently, but when things are happening or when there's new products out uh, or when I have sales on my intimacy cards or my intimacy workbook, mm-hmm. uh, you can definitely get those. Same with the webinars. There's how to talk to kids about sex and sexting. There's talking about what the developmental behaviors that you need to see in children are. Um, and then just my couples workshops, all of that goes out through the newsletter and on my socials. So Instagram, TikTok, those are the places that I'm most, and also Facebook, but it's Lex, L-E-X-X-S-E-X-D-O-C.com. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lex, for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure, privilege chatting with you. Uh, and yeah, thank you for being here. I'm definitely sending you these relationship cards. So when we get <gasps> off of this, yep, we're gonna I'm gonna get your mailing address and I'm sending you a deck so you can practice with your lover. Oh my god, can't wait. Thank you so so much. <laughs> Most welcome. 
Our creator, host, and executive producer is me, Danielle Bezalow. Our producer and communications lead is Catherine Cohen. Our associate producer and communications coordinator is Sadie Luigi. Our marketing coordinator is Kate Fiala. Our music theme is by Hook Sounds. Thanks so much to our featured guests, partners, and listeners. Want to partner with us? Email us at sexedwithdb at gmail.com. For more sex ed content, follow us on Instagram at sexedwithdbpodcast and on TikTok at sexedwithdb. For exclusive content and to submit an anonymous sex ed question, check out my new podcast on Fridays, Curious Sex Ed, hosted with Mariah Caudillo of Sex Ed Files. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash curiouseed to learn more. See you next time.